1: Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
2: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Have you ever looked back over your life and thought to yourself, I've been had... Well, don't feel alone. Many of us have experienced deliberate gotchas perpetrated by those who want to manipulate, abuse, or control us. But there's a bigger story, a more global story, to this whole thing of manipulation, and Eldon Taylor is here today to tell us about it and how we may avoid falling prey to it. His latest book, Gotcha, tells us all about the silent battle that has been raging for more than a century for the territory of our minds. The book explores 24-7 bombardment of information designed to win the hearts and minds of the public and exposes the arrival of the Orwellian age in full-blown technicolor. In revealing the game, he helps us to know what we need to do to avoid allowing others to puppet our thoughts and to maintain original thinking. This is going to be a mind-blowing day. So don't want to don't want to miss any of it. Eldon is a New York Times best-selling author, and subject of his, the subjects of his books range from exposing the darker sides of mind programming and brainwashing to the spiritual search for life's meaning. In addition to being an author, Eldon created the patented and patented his inner talk subliminal technology. Inner talk is the only such technology on the market that has been researched by numerous independent universities and institutions, and has been demonstrated. As effective at priming self-talk, Eldon Taylor is considered to be an expert in the area of preconscious information processing and has served as an expert trial witness with regards to both subliminal communication and hypnosis. Eldon has practiced is was a practicing criminologist for over ten years, where he supervised and conducted investigations and tested to detect deception. His earliest work with Changing Inner Beliefs was conducted from this setting, including a double-blind study conducted at the Utah State Prison from 1986 to 1987. Eldon's approach has always been very down-to-earth, science-based, and pragmatic, so we're going to get down-to-earth and pragmatic with Eldon today as we talk about his book, Gotcha. Welcome to the Authentic Living Show, Eldon. Glad to thank, have you
3: today. Thank you very much, Gene. It's indeed my pleasure to join you today. Um I look forward to this opportunity to share with you and your audience.
2: All right. Well, let's, let's get to it. I want to ask you the first question that probably should be the last question, but I'm going to ask it first because this is the Authentic Living Show, and we want to talk about authentic thinking. So can you t- give us a sort of working definition of what original thinking is?
3: Uh, sure. You, you can basically think, oh, well, let me do it this way. Let's contrast it because then it's easy to understand. When you start out in your day, your normal every day, maybe you begin as I do with a cup of coffee. It's a brand that you buy. Um, You claim that it's because of the flavor, but there may be other reasons, and you and I'll get into that in a minute, but I have ambitions, and I have uh, plans, and uh, I have sound bites, and all these things are going on, so... The kind of clothes that I buy and I wear, the, whether I'm, I have a tie-on or I don't, uh, the, the characteristics that define that, uh, what I'm going to be doing in a given day and where I'm going to be doing it, all of these things, everything about us is involved in our thinking processes. So the automobile that I own, the kind of briefcase that I carry, and on and on and on and on, Where did I get the idea that that's what I wanted? When did I choose? Well, if we really think critically about that, all of that information has been product of the media. It's been something that somewhere, somehow, I've been convinced I needed, or I never would have spent my money to get it. And most of us spend a lot of money doing You know, on a lot of things that a month after we have them, we're not sure why we ever needed them. The bottom line is original thinking comes down to my ability to look at a situation and see something in it that is not in the outer world. It's, it's not something I've read. It's not something I've, I've taken in from television. It's not something that's in the media. It's something that I have on my own come to. Let me give you a, a case in point. You're a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of the models that we have today of God, I think, well, there's one that essentially says it's oneness. We're all one. Uh, this is an illusion. It's maya. Uh, we can escape the illusion. We, we can enter nirvana. We just need to surrender our ego. We really are all just one. This idea of individualism is an error. We are one. And then when I think that through, I realize that there are many things implicit to it, including the fact that, as I said, there is no value to individuality. Individuality itself is a part of the illusion. Now, on the contrary, I can look over, by contrast, I should say, and I can see another view and that view essentially says, we're, we're in a school, and we're, we're all learning. And, uh, you know, life is about learning. It's about growing. It's about progressing. Uh, we become wiser. We become more spiritual. We become more capable of being co-creators. Uh, heaven is within. We, we have these abilities and, and this power. It's been given to us. And there I see implicit the idea of eternal progression. But wait a minute. If there's an eternal progression, then that means there's probably demigods. Because there are going to be different levels of progress. Some will be more capable of creating than others. Now, when I have that kind of thinking going on, I am having original thinking. I'm not rehearsing another soundbite. Life sucks, and then you die. I, I'm 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 not you know championing another political bit of this that or the other. Let me give you an example of what I mean. There, um, we are great at um, wanting to hear what we want to hear. I mean that that's part of the human nature. We're not we were trained in our educational systems. Not to question, but to memorize. Not to think, but to recant, recite what we have learned. The result of that is we go into the real world with that same kind of mindset. So one day I'm watching two networks, a liberal and a conservative network. On one network, there is a survey. Well, they're actually both of them having the same survey, but they're phrased differently. So on the liberal network, I hear, should poor taxpayers be forced to pay for rich kids to go to private schools? Now, if I am a liberally inclined individual, one maybe that listens and watches MSNBC, Uh, I'm going to say, absolutely not. Are you kidding? That's crazy. But if I, and I'm not going to listen to Fox, because, hey, Fox, are you kidding? Those people are, they're just pernicious. But if I'm conservative, I'm going to be watching Fox. And on Fox, when they have that survey, they say, should poor taxpayers be forced to work two jobs? in order to pay for their children's private education since our public school system is failing. Okay, there's two problems here. The first one is, as I said, we want to hear that which supports what we already believe, so we only tune in to that information. We don't want somebody telling us something that's outside of what we have already decided we believe. Well, the problem with that is then I go away with a soundbite. I'm opposed to school vouchers because I'm not paying for some rich kid to go to school. What we don't do, and and this is critically important to understanding the purpose of the book, Gene, what we don't do is our own investigation. We don't stop and Google uh, school vouchers or go to our library. Who gets them? Where does the money come from? How are they used? How do they impact public education? Are other countries using them? What's the impact on the students that use them? Et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. The bottom line is we don't think. We don't come to a conclusion of our own. We recite the information that we accept as already believing. And that's the absence of authentic or original thought. Yep. Does that make
2: sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a great explanation. Thank you for all the examples. All right. So on the flip side, we just have a few more minutes before the break, but, but uh, tell us what a gotcha is. Well, a gotcha is simple. You know, the bottom
3: line in my view is a gotcha comes when you do what you think is best because they've taught you to think that way. In other words, and I've pointed this out many times and in other places in great detail, but you've been educated to conform. Not only have you been trained so thoroughly in how to think, but you've also been given the alternatives by which you could object to thinking a certain way. Uh, You know, I'm also a minister, and I have a very strong belief in the human potential. I'm convinced that once you're informed, there's a chance that enough of us will become involved in meaningful ways that can turn the tide of all the propaganda that's out there and <clears throat> replace it with something you know more meaningful, something that builds a better world. Um, but the bottom line is, a gotcha is you doing what they want you to do because you think you want to do it. And that may sound really simple, but I'm going to tell you, 130,000 words later, after you've read Gotcha, you'll see all the psychological means, all the neuromarketing methods, all the subconscious tactics, all the media ploys, and all the governmental methods used to teach you to conform.
2: Right, right. The book is full of those. So... Uh, you say in your book that the the first thing is a a uh, a propaganda that we get from the very beginning. And, and we just have like two minutes before the break. But if you could just sort of give us an overview. What is the propaganda we get from the beginning?
3: Well, if you think about our school systems, that's, you know, well, first of all, today, the very beginning, most people put their children in front of television and the television does the training. Uh, and that's that's. Obscene, I mean the data regarding that and the impact that it has on children, including dysfunctions like a d h d is such that that's just not a good idea uh, Young children should be kept away from television uh when they get a little bit older, an hour or two a day uh, but but that's that's another drum. <clears throat> the primary method that we see is a three tier school system and it's this three tier system was actually imported from Prussia, a system compulsory educational system that was placed there in eighteen twelve and by admission it exists to socialize, not to educate, but the three tier system you know that first tier that's that 's just for the elite that 's just for the leaders. Um, you can think of it as those elite schools, the Harvard, for example, or the Yale. Uh, most people don't realize this, but in the last seven uh, elections of fourteen candidates, twelve of them have come from these Ivy League schools. The second tier is for those who will be the handyman of the elite, and and that essentially is our doctors, our lawyers, and and so forth. And the third tier. That's for the public, the mass. Now, when you look at how these three tiers are schematized, and, 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 and that's well spelled out, this third tier is, has nothing whatsoever to do with anything other than socializing you, teaching you how to behave. Now, think about this. Your child goes to school, first day. Kindergarten. They have their pencils, their erasers. They're all excited. They walk into the classroom, and the teacher has them deposit them all into one big box. What's that message? Oh, we'll all share them. Right. What, what, what is that all about? Why is that going on? What, what is it we're trying to tell you? You're just a member of a larger group. You're one of the sheep. I hope that lends a little clarity. I know you're short time and coming on a break.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have uh, another minute to go. But, I, but uh, you know, I think you're right about that. And I think I wonder sometimes if it even starts earlier with some of the stuff that if a parent has been in, uh, sort of indoctrinated, then don't they pass that stuff down to their children?
3: Well, of course, of course you know and and we and we know that the abused child grows up to be an abuser in all likelihood, so we know that this patterning this this early imprinting, if you will, has very strong influence, and it becomes stronger every year and and these 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 things happen a nudge at a time, a nudge at a time, sometimes it takes several generations, but you know I, in 1950, there was a meeting in California. And, I'm going to and stop I'd... you here,
2: Eldon. I'm going to stop you here for just a minute. We're okay. going to take a break, and okay. we're going to come back in just a few minutes. We'll be back with more from about Gotcha from Eldon Taylor. This is going to be interesting, mind-blowing stuff, so you want to stay here for the rest of the show.
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
4: Jungian Karmic Astrology interweaves your personality, relationship dynamics, life's challenges, and themes with your world. Listen for Astrology, the Theory of Everything, with co-hosts Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. They bring together professional astrologers, students, enthusiasts, spiritualists, experts, guests, and listeners to exchange valuable ideas and relevant information. Each show will examine and investigate special topics and current events, their meaning, and potential resolutions. We're here Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the Seventh Wave Network.
1: Ask Theo Live channels to a new reality. Channels to a new reality. Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Seventh Wave Network.
0: Be visionary. This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
2: And The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a Ph.D., a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning not only to your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and to credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your specific, your own authentic journey to your authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to call directly, uh, talk to the admissions director, Beverly Love, at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And this is Andrea Matthews, and this is The Authentic Living Show. And we are talking to Eldon Taylor today about his latest book called Gotcha, a book that tells us all the many ways that our minds are being controlled by other people instead of uh, us beginning to be able to use and utilize our own original thinking. So, Eldon, just before the break, I had to stop you, and I apologize for that. Um, But uh, you were talking about an example of how it is that we we uh, get propagandized even from infancy. And uh, you were starting with an example about something that happened in the 1950s. You want yeah, to, it, yeah?
3: it was a very good question or a very good point that you actually made, Gene, regarding how the imprinting process, our uh, parents to, to children, and then they... Am- the children as they grow up onto their children etc how each of these is really you know a process of nudging changes and where i went was in 1950 i had a conversation with cleon skousen former chief of police uh, salt lake city also chicago former fbi uh um, and skousen wrote a, a, a very interesting book but in this book he talked about a meeting that took place in California in 1950 um, that was all about um, subterfuge. It was about communism in America. Now, I'm not saying we're becoming communists, but I, I, I'm using this as an example of nudging. The bottom line was they laid out a several-generation uh, proposal as to how they would weaken America. And among these proposals, we've actually seen several of them, you know, happen. Um, they they felt that there needed to be a breakdown of the nuclear family, so they even de- devised how that could be brought about, why it would be smarter for parents to divorce if they weren't getting along than to stay together because, after all, that wasn't good for children. Do you remember hearing that parrot at Jean? that uh, yeah, was man. That was a mantra in the in the middle sixties and into the seventies you see yeah. um, they they went on to how they would degrade the moral value system of america how and and that was all about how we could impose the idea that there wasn 't any real values except those that were local values, you know, today we think of that as secular progressivism. And, and I could go on, this is spelled out in my book, but the bottom line is, when you think of it as a long-term plan, you see these little nudges. And these little nudges do indeed create effects, and these effects do last, and and then they are passed on. And when you look back over 50 years, you can see quite a bit of change, and the change just happens to correspond with a lot of that so-called former tinfoil hat conspiracy theories about one world government, uh, and so on and so forth. Well... I'm, I'm not going to draw those conclusions. I didn't I, I didn't write gotcha for that purpose. I wrote gotcha basically to bring your attention to a lot of things I know people just simply don't know. Also in 1950 is a case in point. You don't know. You trust your government. But did you know that they simulated a germ warfare attack? And they did this in San Francisco, Pennsylvania, uh, or Philadelphia, I should say, and New York City. Now, when they did this, the idea was, you know we're just going to we're just going to see uh, how germ warfare passes out. Well, it was one of the largest human experiments in history, and it was also one of the largest offenses of the Nuremberg Code since its inception. Now, a man died as a result of this, Edward Nevin, his family sued, and the courts determined that he didn't have a basis for his lawsuit because the government was entitled to do this. People don't understand that. They're not aware of that. All of the research that's been carried out of this kind can be really shocking. And maybe we'll go there in a minute, but here's where I want to go. When you understand the big picture, the schooling, the parents, the authority... And then you also understand how the unconscious works. You come to the realization that as fMRI studies have shown, 90% of our decisions, our choices, are made in the unconscious. Now let me make that clear before we go on. Let's assume I'm an MRI tech, and I put you in the MRI, and I have given you choices, Gene. In your right hand is a button, in your left hand is a button. And I'm going to say to you, you know, you're going to have, you know, a multiple choice or a true or false. And and you can indicate your choice by pushing the button in the right hand or the one in the left hand to correspond with the A or the B or the true or the false. You follow me so far? Right. Okay. Now... I'll present the question to you, in six to ten seconds before you make your choice, that MRI technician will know what you're going to decide. hmm Right. That ought to startle people. I mean, out of your unconscious comes the choice. And it's so locked in that without error... The MRI tech will know what you're going to decide before you know what you're going to decide. Okay, so we have this program. That's what it amounts to, running in our unconscious, that is propelling us into our life. We also have these other functions, you know. Um, In the presence of an authority, the area of the brain that discriminates turns off. Again, using functional magnetic resonance imaging, we can see the preacher approach. Whatever he tells you, he, she, you're not discriminating. Same with a doctor. Years ago, we ran an oncology study, and it was a pilot study, so it wasn't a large sample. I don't recall now 30, 40 patients. Um, And and, and two, after a three-year follow-up, There were two categories that fell out of this study that that just had my interest more than anything else. The first category was every single person who used the intervention, which was a a mind-body-wellness intervention, every single person who used the intervention whose physician believed the mind had a role in wellness was in remission. Every single person regardless of what they believed, whose physician believed the mind had no role in wellness, was deceased. Well, when I first saw that, I was, I, I, this was years ago, puzzled about it. What is this, some kind of iatrogenic response? But now with the fMRI research, we see that in the presence of that authority, your critical abilities are suspended. Your discriminatory abil- discrimination abilities are halted. So a doctor hands you a death sentence. I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do for you now. Uh, you might have two weeks, a month uh, to live. Uh, but here I've, I've got an audio program that, you know, it, it, it might help you feel better. Versus... The physician who believes and who is delivering this program saying, you know, miracles happen. The mind is is more powerful than we know. And on and on and on. Okay. So, if it discriminates this way, there fails to discriminate this way. And if everything coming out of our unconscious is what it is that's propelling us, then it's no wonder that we can look back in history and we can see... Where authorities have made huge errors, but all the other authorities piled on with them to make the same error. Only later. Well, let me give you an example there, too, because examples are more tutorial than anything else, in my view. When you think of the 1949 Nobel Prize, you're probably not thinking about neurologist Walter Freeman and winning it for frontal lobotomies. Probably not. But the frontal lobotomy was performed in hospitals throughout the United States. Hundreds of doctors studied under him, learned how to do it. It was touted as the greatest thing since Mother's Milk. It was a Nobel Prize award. But once it was discovered, what indeed it was doing, well, you know, suddenly Freeman was ostracized and it was all Freeman's fault and no one else not, not any of these other doctors that should have known better were culpable in any way shape or form they just went on with their life reminds me very often of why I started smoking and the doctor that stood on TV and said this is the cigarette I smoke it's okay. healthy right right so authority so- parents school teachers <laughs> right on up the line, they we you know they basically have taught us how to act and how to think.
2: Right. So, and if we're making our decisions from the unconscious, it seems to me that one of the ways that we are going to have to use to sort of overcome and learn to think critically is to get in touch with the material that's in the unconscious. Is that true? That's-
3: you, you, Boy, you pinned it right down. That is exactly what we need to do, and that's exactly why I wrote, gotcha. You, you cannot claim to be awake. You cannot claim to be spiritually enlightened when you don't know the content of your own mind or, or why it's there. Um, and and, and you're, you said it. it. It becomes incumbent upon us first. To understand how this stuff happens, where it came from, so that we can take control of it. And then second, to begin to systematically root it out, to systematically create the kind of process that we're entitled to have, that thinking process, that process that, back to our example... If I say to you the table is square, you should immediately be capable of thinking that implicitly that means it's not round. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. But people don't think that way. They don't, you know, we're, we're halted. When the authority says this is it, that's how we take it.
2: Right. Right. So when it comes to things like politics, and when you talk about politics a great deal in the book, and I really like what you have to say there, um, you caution against political correctness and the mob mentality. So I want to elaborate briefly on this before the break. You, you uh, if it, 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 uh, it seems to me like if we see something wrong, we should speak up against it. So that can't be harmful, can it?
3: Well... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we have an obligation that is a a spiritual obligation. If I look out into the world, uh, as I did last week, and I see that two young girls were sentenced to be raped in India uh, and then publicly paraded with their faces painted black because their brother ran off with a married woman, I'm going to do everything I can to to make it clear that that is totally objectionable in any civilized world. It, and I'm not going to just, how gross is that, and turn away from it. So I believe that our spiritual obligation for all intent and purposes is to see that everyone uh, has an equal opportunity to be free, uh, to express who they are, Uh, so long as it doesn't interfere with the rights of others. So I think it's incumbent upon each of us to be involved, and that sometimes involves speaking up. But what happens with politically correct is very often, let's change the argument.
2: All right, let's Uh, stop right there. We're going to come back and talk about political correctness some more right after the break. So you want to stay tuned for the rest of this. This political correctness thing has come up recently with Donald Trump talking about it. So we want to really hear about this. Um, So you want to be here for this next segment. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Quantum Leaps in Healing with host Carrie Jahan will help you to explore powerful healing modalities that can change your vibration and enhance all aspects of personal health. Each week, the show will dive into a unique and transformative modality that works with multidimensional energies. The result is an incredible transformation of your life. Quantum Leaps in Healing can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave.
4: Everyone can learn to communicate with their loved ones in spirit. When you tune in to School of Miracles Radio with Heather Scavetta, you'll learn more about how to develop the ability to see, hear, and feel your loved ones in spirit, as well as spirit guides, masters, angels, and higher beings of light that make up the invisible world. School of Miracles Radio airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific
1: Time, on The Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. The Divine lives within every one of us. Some people just need help unlocking it. Once you understand your own shadow self, you can begin to take steps to say goodbye to remorse, guilt, and shame. Then, own up to living your life with great delight. Listen for Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with host Jim Stacy. For 15 years, Jim has studied the Aramaic language, the non-religious language of Yeshua. And through that language, you can learn how to choose the life you want to live and live above smallness and the victim. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave.
0: Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
2: And we're back talking today to Eldon Taylor about his book Gotcha. And it's a great book. I really encourage you guys to read it. It's The Subordination of Free Will is the subtitle of that book. And he taught that he gives thousands of examples in the book about uh, how our minds are being tr- uh, attempted to be controlled by others, by media, by politics, by finances, by all kinds of things, and we want, you want to really read that book because it really does help us understand how important it is to think originally. So you were saying just before the break, and again, I had to cut you off, and I apologize for that, Eldon, but we, uh, just before the break, you were saying that um, uh, you were talking about political correctness, and you were going to give us some examples about that, so you want to yeah. go ahead with that. Well-
3: the reason I caution about political correctness is it's very often about changing the the nature of the definition, which changes the argument. I mean, anyone will tell you that if you change the definition, if you control the definition, you control the argument. So let me give you a case in point. Right now, we see out front a lot of political this, that, and the other going on about... Um, Illegal aliens or undocumented aliens. Now, right. if they're illegal aliens, they have committed a crime. Um, it's a criminal activity to break the law and enter the country uh, improperly. But if we change that, and we can get everybody to say, "No, wait a minute, no human beings illegal. They're just undocumented." Now there's nothing implied that there's a crime that's been committed, right? So sometimes what happens is, as we change these definitions, we change the nature of the argument. Think of this: most people believe the Federal Reserve System is, you know, is something. It's a, what? A body of government. They don't realize that that name, Federal Reserve System, which implies it is, really is about a privately held organization. It doesn't belong to the government at all. So what happens, we can, you know, we can see things um, that just get, They just go way over the top, if you will. Um, And they go way over the top because of political correctness. Paula Deen's a good example. Uh, Paula Deen grew up in a culture. you remember Paula Deen? Sure. She grew up in a culture where using a given word was how everyone referred to African-Americans. It was as, as a child. Um, there was nothing wrong with using that word. Okay? Right. Right. All right. Years go by. Uh, The woman is very, very successful, and out of her past comes someone who says she used that word 25 years ago. Well, at the time she used the word, schools still were not segregated. Mm Mm-hmm. African American was not how we referred to black Americans. Language has all changed. The end result of this is she won her legal case. Most people aren't aware of that. Because everything that went at her, the rage about that word and was taken out of its context. We use today's context to judge yesterday's action. And the end result was it cost this woman nearly everything. Is that fair? I don't happen to be a Paula Deen fan, nor am I a fan of fat, deep fat fried foods, but is that fair? When you stop and you think about the nature of the dialogues that go on in our society, I would think that the first foremost important um, aspect of any topic should have to do with its relevance to the argument. Why is it we want to change illegal to undocumented? What is that about?
2: Yeah, and yourself. the, the question. That. Yeah, I think okay. It, I think, well, there's
3: an agenda behind undocumented, isn't it? And sometimes these agendas are as polar opposite as the Republican Party versus the Democratic Party. So, who right now um, is trying to win the votes of all those people that might fit into this undocumented category? Oh, you know, it just happens to be the people that want to change the terminology. Well, by changing the terminology, that will win more people over to that point of view, will it not? Because how are they possibly
2: criminal? Right.
3: Does that make sense to you?
2: Yeah, and I think what you're saying is if we have an honest conversation where we actually do, instead of just changing the language, we actually do have an argument about whether or not it should be illegal for aliens to come into the country, then, then we're talking about an honest conversation that involves some critical thinking. Is that correct?
3: correct. That's correct. Yes. And, and that's what gets avoided.
2: And, you know, for the most
3: part, we're pretty easy creatures to be entertained. There can going to be a hot issue uh, that we should be paying critical attention to. You know, maybe it has to be, you know, an, a matter of national security. Uh, maybe it has to do with uh, uh, <laughs> Hillary Clinton's aide who put the server in her basement Uh, the one she wiped, (laughs) excuse me for the pun, with her cloth. But we won't pay attention to that because something else will be placed in front of us and it might be a golf game or it might be inflate gate. And, And so we get misdirected very easy and there are a lot of the stories that appear that we never follow through on. We don't know what happened because... That information is an information that's consistent with the current direction of those people who control the media.
2: Right. All right, so we're getting closer to the elections in 2016. What kinds of things should we watch for in politics that can let us know if we're in for a gotcha?
3: Well, you're you're going to have billions of dollars uh, poured out there in advertising, and we're going to have all kinds of hate advertising, uh, fear mongering. You can count that we're going to hear about you know incompetence of this person and that person and 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 all their weaknesses. Um, none of which really you know should enter into our equations. Whether or not Mitt Romney put a dog on top of his car, how does that? enter into his ability to make a decision as an executive officer. The dog was vomiting in the car. I mean, I just don't, you know, one of the things that we see, and one of the things you want to watch for is what our comedians do. Um, The comedians really have uh, the mantle for colorizing individuals in favorable or unfavorable ways. Um, The Daily Show, The Colbert Report, Saturday Night Live, uh, three great examples of how a comedian can promote the negative image of a comic target. There are lots of examples of this. But let me just take the most popular one. We still hear it. Uh, Sarah Palin never said she could see Russia from her kitchen. But Saturday Night Live said Sarah Palin said she could see Russia from her kitchen. And that was a soundbite that caught on. And if you go out on the street and you start asking people, did Sarah Palin say something about Russia or or what was it she said she could see from her kitchen that qualified her for, you know, national affairs, international, you know, uh, handlings? They'll tell you that, you know, what this Saturday night skit told them. So comedians play a very big role in the elections, and our entertainment plays a big role. Uh, When you look at the history of Hollywood and how Hollywood looks at the use of the media, you, you see that you know, since World War II, at least, when 30 full length movies were made to sell the war, to win the hearts and minds, uh, video news releases, uh, television shows, shows like West Wing. Um, I, I don't know, most people are not aware that West Wing, a very popular show, one I enjoyed myself writers. There was one of the writers of West Wing was a former White House aide. Um, Sorkin actually modeled a lot of West Wing after President Obama. There's a very clear platform involved and agenda in that show. And the show where it simplified the operations of Washington obviously leaned in a political direction. When you see this in the media, you have to ask yourself, why? Uh, what is this agenda about? Um, should I accept this? Is this what I want to believe? Is it really that? I mean, you're not going to learn to be an attorney by watching Perry Mason or a doctor by watching uh, Gray, Gray's Anatomy but a lot of people believe that they saw how Washington really operated when they watched West Wing. So West Wing, Newsroom, even take How You Met Your Mother while we're on that. What was in the agenda in this simple comedy other than promoting promiscuity?
2: Can you answer that that for me, Andrea? I I never saw that one, so I don't know. Okay, well, it was full of you know four principal characters that just
3: took turns, having you know every week uh you know sexual activity with a different person and coming back and telling each other about it. it was a it, 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 crazy kind of a comedy, and it was kind of funny and i and, and I enjoyed the comedy, but the underlying theme to this comedy was to promote promiscuity, mm-hmm. hey. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I don't want to say any of this is right or wrong. I just want you to be aware of it. Because if you're aware of it, then you can make your own decision. Then you can decide for yourself, with your own thinking cap on, is this what I want?
2: Yeah, so when it comes to politics, I guess one of the things you might be saying here is that Uh, Over the next year, what we might be looking for is the candidates who don't talk about the other candidates but spend time talking about their own platform in ways that are understandable to the public.
3: Well, it would be wonderful if we had that kind of campaign. Uh, Right this minute, the only person I think out there that so far hasn't taken on cutting someone is John Kasich. But if you look at the polls, he's not doing very well. Uh, so, Bernie, Sanders,
2: Bernie Sanders is, is running a uh, platform that's... He's running a good platform, but he's taken on
3: a lot of folks. Uh, your your leaders are all up there taking on folks. They're all taking shots at individuals within their own party or in the other party. One of right. the, the primary tools to persuade you to vote uh, their way is to sell fear. Right. And... Uh, you know, whenever you hear a politician telling you that if this happens, you're going to lose this. And if this happens, this our nation will go to this morass. And whenever you hear that, you have to understand that that, that's, that political persuasion is all about motivating you through fear. Right. You know, I can't sell you a life jacket unless you're afraid you're going to drown. Right. So, a lot of, one of the best-selling mechanisms in politics is fear. We have, you know, you're going to see more subliminal messages, too. We, we always see that in every campaign. But you're going to see, you know, the kinds of things that you saw when the rats ad, the infamous rats ad, ran during the Bush-Gore campaign. Bush placed the word, pulled the word "rats" out of Democrats and bolded it above his head, subliminally above Gore's head, and it ran heavy in states like Tennessee, Gore's own state, which he lost. Research has shown us; research done at Adelphi University in New York showed us that 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 one ad, that one subliminal ad did indeed impact the outcome of the election. We're going to see more of that. There was an ad in um, Nevada two cycles ago where a proponent of the Second Amendment, gun rights, has a subliminal where the gun is being pointed at his opponent's head. Uh, You're going to see more of that kind of thing as well.
2: Right, so we should watch for that. All right, well, we're just about out of time, so I want to take this moment to, to ask you, how can people learn more about you, and where can they buy your book?
3: Well, they can get the book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, uh, anything online. You should be able to get it real soon in the brick-and-mortar stores. It's on its way out there. The book's just been released, so if you don't find it in your brick-and-mortar store, have them order it in. You can learn all about me at my website, Eldon Taylor, that's E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R, eldentaylor.com
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and thank you for all the time and energy and research you put into this great book. I think it really does offer us an opportunity to consider what you've written here as, as a possible way of beginning to... Look at ourselves and go. Okay, what's really going on inside me? So, thank you for doing the work that it took to do the put this book out there. Oh, well, thank and, you uh, very
3: much, Andrea, for giving me the opportunity to share. And I, I'm, I, I thank you again.
2: You're just so welcome, so welcome. And we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking to Rabbi Sherry Hirsch about the idea of thresholds, how to thrive when your life changes through life's transitions. So, you want to be here for that? And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
1: Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.